This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. We'll be exploring some of the biggest questions and issues faced by parents, but sometimes it's nice to have a helping hand. Aviva exists to be with people when it really matters throughout their life. They've been supporting people through life's financial challenges for over 300 years, so they know a thing or two about preparing for the future. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. Right, let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast. It's me, Vernon Kay and Holly Mackay. This is the Aviva Parenting Past the Pandemic. And good grief, are we still parenting past the pandemic? Yes, we are. We have a subject for you today on this podcast. Episode four, brace yourself, Holly. Being a role model for your kids. Over to you, Vernon, for the next 30 minutes. I think we should go straight (laughs) into our very special guest, Uh, We do have a very special guest. Uh, We've got Alison Perry coming on a little bit later, but we should tackle this subject straight on, head on, being a role model for your kids. Do role models exist? Big question, Holly. So I guess what my view on being a role model, I don't know if this is self-serving or not, but I kind of think now parenting has become, it's become a thing. I don't think it was a thing when we were growing up. And if you think about the column inches, you know, we're talking about it now. It's such a sort of scrutinised subject that I think it's become one of these things we're not honest about. And we hold up these sort of ideals of perfection. And I think that doesn't help our kids. So I'm going to start this podcast on, on talking about role models by saying I think one of the most important things I can do for my kids is to actually let them see me warts and all and not to overly obsess about things and to try and, you know, to hold back from that natural instinct. So they're struggling with their their homework or they're having a fight with someone online and we always want to kind of step in, don't we, and sort of help them. And I do try, and maybe it's just because I'm a lazy beggar, I don't know, <laughs> but I do try and sort of hold back because, do you know what, it's... I don't have all the answers and I'm not a perfect human being. Well, not most of the time, Vernon. And (laughs) I I just think there's all these sort of flawed and and these frankly lies out there from everyone on social media saying that I've got it all nailed. So that's that's my sort of starter for 10 for the conversation. I think the best thing I can do for my kids is to say, I do my best. I try. But quite frankly, kids, I get it wrong a lot of the time. But I'm still your mummy. I love you very much. Let's have some tea. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Well raised, Holly. I think we, we don't live in a perfect world. And I honestly think that if we try to create a perfect environment for our kids, it's, 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 it's a false negative. Do you know what I mean? Or a false positive, whichever way you want to look at it. Because it doesn't, that, that's not real life. And I think as parents, it's our responsibility to reflect what's outside the front door. And we've talked many times on this podcast about making sure that everything is happy and safe within the four walls of the home. But let's not forget, it's a brave new world out there. As soon as you step out the front door of your house, it's completely different to whatever scenario or whatever wonderful mystical environment you've created for your kids, as beautiful as it is with fluffy pillows and prancing unicorns and glorious (laughs) glitter-filled rainbows. That's just your bedroom. It is. But as soon as you step out the front door, it's not like that. It's not like that. So I think for us as parents, 
we don't have to be necessarily role models, knights in shining armor or, you know, uh, king and queen of, of the castle. I think we should be a representation, a fair representation of what kids can expect outside the front door, because that's just the way life is, I guess. Who, who are your role models? <laughs> my role models, I've got to say my parents, looking back, because my mum tried to bring us up proper and my dad just grafted throughout the whole of our childhood. I never really saw him that much, although I don't remember not seeing him that much because he was a lorry driver, long distance lorry driver. So he'd be away two, three, maybe a week at a time. But we were, I always tell my friends and, and the kids, we were never left wanting. Like Christmas for us was literally an Aladdin's cave of toys. And my parents had this, it turns out to be a weird tradition. Like I tried it with my kids. And everyone's like, that is so weird, don't do it. But my parents had this tradition where we lived in a, a three-bedroom detached house, small front room, small kitchen, small living room. And we'd go down this flight of stairs. And at the bottom of the stairs was the, was the door that went into the living room. And we'd all line up. It would be mum first, then me, then my brother Stephen, and then my dad at the back in the line going down the stairs. So you can envision that. And my mum would open the door, we'd turn left, and the floor of the living room was literally like the best Toys R Us display you've ever seen in your life. Like Hamleys could take my parents and say, right, how do we redesign this store to make it a fantasy wonderland for kids? That was our Christmas morning. Nothing was wrapped up, everything was on display, everything was taken out of its box. If it needed building, my dad built it. So throughout Christmas Eve, my dad was in a band, so Christmas Eve he'd go out and play the gig and he'd get home at two. And then apparently it turns out from two till 5.30, he had three and a half hours to build everything. So, and it would always be built and sat on its box. So it would literally be like the display window of Hamley's. And he Toys never had that problem of running out of batteries. Never. Has that ever happened to you? Never. And I'll never forget it. And those were, even I can probably remember in my, I could probably remember eight different Christmases and there's not many kids that can say that or adults that can say, I remember every Christmas morning. I do because they were so euphoric uh, in the way that they did it. So idols, definitely my parents. And then it would be, and this is quite controversial because we talked about this prior to the podcast. We talked about this while we were having a cup of tea. American football sports heroes, those, those people, athletes that have succeeded in their chosen sport. I always considered them as role models, but not role models in the way that you should carry out your life or portray yourself in life, but role models in they're successful. I like the way they're focused. I love how they're enjoying victory. Oh, I think it's very daunting. I think if you went around in but your I, life as a parent going, am I a role model? You, you just get crippled with sort of anxiety because it can be I actually thought about this last night and it stopped me from going to sleep which is very rare <laughs> so knackered at the end of the day but you can get into quite a sort of downward negative spiral because you start to sort of pull out your the things that you're aware of that, you start that you do. well I sort of thought about oh you know the three million things you do where you could have been a better parent or less and when I asked my son last night he sort of went well yeah you know yeah you are um you're not very patient, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony of that is... You're very brave asking for an honest answer no, from your I children. Like, oh, no, I get it. I mean, whether I ask them for it or not. And I just sort of wanted to laugh because I thought, mate, if you'd only known your mother before I had you, children have taught mm. me to be 
more patient. Yeah. Um, he still thinks I'm impatient, which um, is actually factually correct. I am. But then he said something interesting. He said, but you're, you are a sort of good role model because you work very hard and you run your own business mm. and you're a very strong lady. <laughs> I was going, oh, God. I like that, though. <laughs> Where, where's this going? Called you um, a lady. Uh, well, he does when he's trying to sort of be respectful. He also calls me impatient, as you know, and many other things. But I think from an outside world, from someone looking out, looking in, I would say you're 100% a role model. Absolutely. For, to, be, to be successful in, you know, let's hold our hands up, in a, in a male-dominated industry, because finance is, money is, is predominantly a male... Pale and stale. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're 100% a role model. This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. Visit aviva.co.uk to find out more and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. All right, here we go. Shall we get a fellow parent on? I think it's that time of the podcast. Our guest this week is award-winning writer and podcaster who's brought us the Not Another Mummy podcast and blog. Plus, she's got a new book out called OMG, It's Twins. And then on top of that, she's a mum. She's been very, very busy. Hi, Alison. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Yeah, we, we were really good. I'm now a little bit confused. Uh, so I'm going to throw the floor over to you. We're talking about role models for our kids. Uh, is it possible for parents to be a role model for their kids? And is it a good idea for kids to have role models? I think that, well, to answer your first question, absolutely it is possible for parents to be a good role model. But I think that we probably need to look at what that role, what, what a role model is. And for me personally, it's just thinking about the values that I want my kids to grow up having. And, you know, we know for a fact, we know from research that children learn by watching you and, um, you know, they, they, they do what you do, not what you tell them to do. Um, and they're always watching you, even from, you know, very little age. That's how they learn stuff. Even if it's, you know, I've got toddlers, I've, I've got two-year-olds and, you know, they learn how to eat by, by watching us. Um, and, you know, I've got a 10-year-old and I'm not saying I always get it right <laughs> by any stretch, but I'm just really aware that there's no point in me screaming and yelling at her and then being surprised when she screams and yells back at me because <laughs> she's just copying what I'm doing. Yeah. Don't be like mummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You, you said something there, which I think one, once we finish this series, it's the one thing that we can take away from this podcast is that there's no right or wrong answer in parenting. You know, it's kind of a, it, it's like that, that, that scenario at the end of swimming lesson where it's free swim and you go off and do what you, what you want to do. As long as you don't drown, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but l let me ask you, should kids have role models that are outside of the four walls of our homes? Is that a good idea? I think that it's really healthy to I think it's really healthy to have that. And I also think that, you know, we're so hung up on those role models not being YouTubers, for example. I think there was a study done a couple of years ago which talked about how more kids have um, role models off YouTube than, you know, years ago it used to be footballers or it used to be you know, scientists or, you know, people who had, you know, made great, great achievements in life. 
Um, but actually, I think that there's something to be said for these teenagers or, you know, kids in their, people in their 20s who are on YouTube and who perhaps have built something from nothing. And someone like Zoella, for example, I know that she's not a teenager, but she, she, has, she has a huge teenage audience. And she talks a lot about mental health, about anxiety. She's somebody who's built up a business from nothing. And she takes her responsibility as a role model very seriously. Now, if my 10-year-old decided that she wanted to start watching Zoella videos, at the moment, she's more into watching Minecraft videos on YouTube. Oh, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> but if she wanted to watch Zoella, I'd be really happy for her too. And I think that it's about balancing up the external role models that are around them and are in the wider world with us as parents and just getting that balance between, you know, the influences are around our kids. What do we think our kids get from a role model? So I know the, the Zoella world and, and the Joe Sugg world and, and the Alfie Days world because my kids have been there. Uh, they're not necessarily submerged in it now, but they've been there and they've followed those three. What do you think kids get from kids who sit in front of a laptop and talk about their everyday lives? Is it relatable? Well, I think it is. And like, like I mentioned, you know, Zoella has talked about her mental health a lot. And I think that, you know, just hearing hearing about everyday issues being discussed, the, 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 whole, the whole reason that people, you know, kids on YouTube and on Instagram and social media, TikTok, the whole reason that it has become as big as it is, is because it's people just like you and me. Um, you know, we have had years of celebrities, much like yourself, Vernon. You know, you open up Hello magazine or Heat magazine, you've got all these celebrities, but we can't necessarily relate to those people as well as, you know, the everyday person on the street, which is why there's been this huge boom of social media celebrities, because they are just like you and me. They're, you know, they're just real people with real issues and problems. And if they talk about about, about those issues, you know, our kids can absolutely learn from them. And then thinking about kind of back into the home, I guess, I mean, how much do you amend your behaviour <laughs> because you're aware that you've got those? How many kids have you got? You've got three. That I've got I've, three. Yeah. I've got two-year-old twins and a 10-year-old. So how much do you try and sort of modify perhaps some of your your worst excesses when you know that you've got sort of six eyes sort of boring and sort of into you and kind of looking at stuff. I mean, when it comes to sort of eating or it comes to, I don't know, sort of financial habits or anything like that. I mean, do you, do you try and sort of live your life differently because you think, oh, I'm being a role model and my kids are watching absolutely, every move I absolutely. make? Absolutely. Yes. So one example of that is I spent my 20s uh, dieting and going to, you know, diet clubs and really obsessing over trying to lose weight. I mean, really unhappy with the way I looked. And as soon as I had um, my daughter, my eldest, I realized that I had to change my attitude and the way that I talk about myself, especially in front of her. And since becoming a mum, I have absolutely changed the way that I talk about myself and you would never catch me looking in the mirror and thinking and saying, oh, my bum looks really big or oh, my tummy's really wobbly. I will talk about my body in a really positive way in front of them because I want them to grow up with a healthy attitude towards their body. And even this week, um, my, my eldest shouted at me because I was making her late for school and <laughs> she shouted at me so horribly that I said to her, right, that's it. 
no screens after school for you. And then afterwards, and she was really upset and she, she left for school in tears and I just felt terrible. And afterwards I thought about it and I discussed it with my husband and I said to him, do you know what? I don't think punishing her for shouting at me is the right way about it. And so in the last few days, we've been talking about amending the way that we react to those situations and thinking, okay, punishing her isn't going to work. So what can we do? How can we react to that kind of behavior in a way that allows her to understand how she's made me feel and perhaps makes her stop herself from doing it the next time because actually taking screens away from her isn't going to make her decide not to shout at me next time so <laughs> I'm all the time amending my behavior and trying to become a better parent and a better role model for Alison, her. Alison we've been there many many times ourselves. I want to dig a bit more onto that because I'm a bit of a fan of the the screen time kind of removal because for a long time it was the only thing that that seemed they seemed to care about uh, I can sort of hear my mum echoing in my ears in a way she's quite old school and she sort of I think very much believes that that she's the parent and the kids are the kids and if they transgress or if they're rude we've got to show them and and you know that is done by some sort of punishment or some sort of deprivation of something and there is quite a school of thought now around, isn't there, at the moment, which is all about positive parenting and engaging with people. And I've seen um, a mum at the school sort of has a kid at the same school and, and, and her child walks around hitting people. And, and you see her have great big engaged and involved conversations with him about his anger and, and this and that. And it kind of makes me really frustrated because I want to sort of, I want to see her say to him, no, that was totally unacceptable. Here is a punishment. Don't bloody well do that. And yet she's trying to talk to him about building up his self-esteem and let's analyse where the anger comes from. So it's really tricky. It's really <laughs> tricky. And I think that there's no, there's no right or wrong and every child is different. I think that it's just really interesting to read reports from psychologists which talk about, you know, actually punishing a child doesn't make it doesn't teach them anything it does it not stop you from it does it not just make you not want to get caught next time rather than actually making you think what I did was wrong it doesn't give you any time to reflect upon your behavior it doesn't it doesn't teach you anything other than I don't want that to happen again. And I'm not sure that's a big enough lesson. It just feels like yeah, it just creates I, I, anger yeah. and resentment. Yeah, it, it is. I, I remember, I remember uh, as a kid, you know, uh, being told off and being told off in the old school way, shall we say. And yeah. uh, if I went there again, it got worse. You know, yeah. that's just the way parenting was in the in the seventies. I'll be honest with you, but it's not like yeah. it's, parenting has changed. It's tra changed dramatically. You know, it, it's gone from having a physical conversation to having an actual verbal conversation. Where okay, sit down. This is what you did wrong. Tell me why you did it. How do we get over the problem? But, but Don't do it again. Punishment, still that sort of removing something. I just, it's interesting. I I remember a, 
um, I don't know why, one of the most traumatic incidents of my, my childhood, which shows you what lovely people my parents are, really, because it's not very traumatic. It was getting to the time in Dallas when we were going to find out who shot Sue Ellen. And I'd been obviously <laughs> a little pig that day. And mum had said, you've got to go to your room and you can't watch Dallas. Oh. And I actually still remember to this day having the mother of all wobblies and she did actually give in in the end and let me downstairs and, and, and watch it. But that, that was, that's been going on for a long time, hasn't it? That yeah. kind of, if you do this, this will happen. I was just interested to hear you, you talking through that. Maybe I should try something different with my kids. But then I kind of worry that, you know, they're, they're, would, would it work? I'd be interested to sort of hear with your well, experiment. If <laughs> I, think, I think something that I always try and think about, you know, whatever the situation is, is would you treat an adult yeah. in this way? Yeah. And, you know, one example is that, you know, you quite often hear, you know, hear of parents saying to a crying child, stop crying, stop crying. And if your best mate was having a crisis and she'd come around with a bottle of wine and she was crying, <laughs> you wouldn't dream of saying, stop crying, pull yourself together. You would let her cry it out. Do you know, do you know kids, what, Alison? often tell them I, stop I, crying. I, I've never thought about that before. It's so interesting that if you turn around and treat your kids like you would treat your adult friends... But hang on, there's another point in there, Vernon, because they are kids and they're not adults. And I sometimes think we've gone too far the other way in treating our children like adults. Yeah, well, that's a great example, that, Alison. I love that. I, d I don't think you should treat them as adults in every situation. But when no. you are, I guess, dealing with an emotional crisis or, you know, um, anger or some kind of outburst from them, rather than perhaps reacting in the way that our parents did, you know, perhaps, you know, my, my mum and dad used to always say, if I said, but why, but why? And they would say, because I said so. And that would be the end of the conversation. But you would never say that to a grown-up, would no. you? Can you imagine being in a pub, okay? <laughs> yeah. You're in a pub and six blokes have got up from their table and left the pub. Can you imagine going, hey, get back here! Clean that up now! Uh, yes, I can. <laughs> you just wouldn't, would you? You just wouldn't! What do you think you're doing? Yeah, Where do you think you are? You know, I have told you five loud. times to clean that yes. up. How many times? Tess, come here! Look at these three hooligans! They've left their drinks on the table! You just wouldn't though, would you? No. And I think it's something to think about. That is I'm a classic. Complete oh, I, clanging self-awareness. Next time I, I open my mouth to shout at my children, I shall see you and, and you will make me a better person, Alison. Yeah, I've, I learn something every day on, on, on this podcast. I really do. That, but that's, that's, it's such an obvious way of, of, of treating and, and conversing with your kids. If you, if you don't or do do it to an adult, then do it to the same to your kids. Let's go back to the, the, the title of our podcast, being a role model for your kids. Is it as shiny and as polished, as glowing as it sounds, us being role models for our kids? Or are there times where, as a role model, they see you dealing with situations which aren't so positive, which are quite negative, but then they can turn around and say, oh, mummy and daddy have dealt with this. That's pretty cool. Definitely. And I also think that it's really important that you show them that role models make mistakes and get it wrong. And something that I've tried really hard to do is to apologise to my kids and say, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have done that, I got that wrong, I made a mistake. Because 
how can we expect them to be able to own up to something or recognize that they've got something wrong and apologize if we don't do it ourselves? Mm. Yeah. Alison, is, is there a cutoff point as to how much you let your kids into your world? Do you know what I mean? So we're, we're talking about role models and, and, and parents or kids have this perception of who their parents are. Like my, I always perceive my, my mum as, as working hard at home, part-time job, my dad always down the road, lorry driving. Uh, our house was built on hard work and, and reaping the benefits of all that hard work. But is the, in this modern world with digital being so accessible, and we've talked about this many, many times on the podcast, with all that information in the, at the ends of their fingertips, is there a, a limit or is there a point of cutoff where parents say, okay, you know enough, but we're not going to go beyond the line where we're getting into mummy and daddy's finances, mummy and daddy's relationship? Mommy. Oh, definitely. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I'm just speaking for myself here. I'm not saying that this is the right way to go, but absolutely. Like my, um, my 10 year old doesn't know how much I earn, um, you know, she, there, there's absolutely conversations that I still think are appropriate for grown-ups and conversations that are appropriate. And if she came up and asked me, and, and I remember us talking about um, tax and how tax works and what it pays for. And, you know, that's because she came to me and asked me the questions. Um, and so I explained, why well, I'm self-employed and I pay my tax every January and this is what it goes on. And that's healthy. And that's that's great that, you know, she's asking those questions. Um, but I absolutely think that there are boundaries. I think that as humans, we all need to have those boundaries. And it's no different for parents and kids. Mm. We talked earlier on, uh, Alison, with, with other guests that we've had. And we were saying that kids pick up on uh, parents' body language, that they pick up on phone conversations that they're having, even though they can only hear one side of the conversation. So I think kids yeah. get a jest yeah. of what's going on, don't they? They do, they do, yeah. And I think that I think that it's just about getting that balance and, and that balance will be different for every family and you have to just listen to your gut feeling and yeah. think about, right, what are my boundaries? What am I happy to discuss with my kids? What do I feel like? Because sometimes parents are worried that if they're too honest with their kids about something, that it will make them anxious, make them worry. You know, so if you know if you're if you know about the financial situation that your parents are in, is it going to keep you awake at night? And mm. you know, so it, a, a lot of boundaries is about protecting people, and it could be you or it could be your kids. My kids have picked up that Tess doesn't like wet towels on the bed and the dishwasher door leaving open. <laughs> That's all fairly reasonable. Those are good demands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant and Alison uh, an absolute pleasure thank you very much for Thanks, joining us Alison thank you so much alright Holly brace yourself we've got questions from our audience about uh, role models and we found it quite difficult to talk about this uh, it was a bit of a weird one yeah uh, on what constitutes a role model I think we're both having an existential crisis so let, let's let's Get stuck into the questions and we can die a little on the inside yeah, if we're answering. Yeah. yeah, all right, fire away, Mark. My habits, such as drinking a few too many nights a week, definitely got worse during lockdown. Is this likely to affect my kids? Well, Holly, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? I can't, I can't empathise with that at all. Um, I, I only drank one bottle of wine a day. Um, no, I think that lockdown 2020 was an utterly odd year for everyone and to my mind if we got to the end of the day and everyone was still smiling and the wheels hadn't fallen off 
we were all doing well. So I think we can all be a little bit generous in in forgiving some yeah, bad habits right. in you're 2020. Right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of leeway in 2020, and uh, I, I think they made it it made it easier by putting twist off tops on bottles of wine. <laughs> what a revelation that is! Let's be honest. Come on, mums and dads. Good grief. <laughs> No longer do you leave the cork on the corkscrew and have to unwind it manually. You just twist the top on and off. But in all seriousness, yeah, I think our habits did extend themselves a little bit too much in that I think free time was a real issue. You know, not not having anything to do in your free time. And all of a sudden, this tidal wave of free time was thrown upon us and... Speak but, for yourself. Well, yeah. yeah but, everyone was so different, yeah, weren't they? But I think from, from our perspective, being freelance and having the world fall out the bottom of the diary, we were, we were given this huge amount of time and then asking yourself, okay, well, what do we do? And I jet washed everything, including the kids, for the first two weeks. I emptied the gutters. I did all those manual jobs where if you're... If you've got no time, you'd get someone in to do them. But I did everything. Repainted the gutters, relined the gutters, jet washed. Tess even, no word of a lie, replastered a part of our conservatory. She learned how to do it on YouTube. She replastered the conservatory. And that's how we filled our time. And then you would get, well, let's have a drink. It's and it's 4.30 in exactly. the afternoon. Yeah, let's have a drink. <laughs> Why not? The kids are, are, are jolly and they're happy. But in all seriousness, if you do feel yourself getting to that point where things become a too, a too regular, you know, and, and you can slowly feel yourself getting on the, the train to nowhere, then I think it's, in this day and age, it's really easy to turn around and ask for help. You know, help is readily available. I've always been a big spender. But how can I teach my kids about saving? Oh, you're going to have to talk to me directly, Ollie, because this is me all over. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I've, I've talked to so many people and, and, and researchers and our financial habits do really, really impact our, our kids. And I, I remember talking to one lady who did have a real sort of compulsive shopping problem to the point she was going out. Um, her parents had been very, very tight with money. So she then equated sort of money with, with love and she would go out and, and buy things. And she was talking to me um, about going home and having shopping bags, you know, in her hallway. And she wouldn't even really sort of open them up. It was, it was the act of spending. So all I'd say is our kids do watch us. Um, and I think we do need to start to be aware of having responsible conversations with them um, about money from an early age. And I kind of think, as with many things, sort of moderation's best. You know, you don't have to sort of scrimp and save and never spend anything and have, have, have never have any fun. But at the same time, um, if you're in the habit and the cycle of just pressing that button on Amazon, mm, it can all dangerous. get a bit too easy. Okay, right. Well, it's now the time of the podcast drum roll. We pass across to our expert from Aviva. And this week, Alistair is here to teach us all about how we can make sure that being a role model to our kids includes teaching them about money. Hi, everybody. My name is Alistair McQueen, and I'm the head of savings and retirement Aviva. And here are my top three tips for today. Many people and many events will shape our views of the world. But for many, few will have more influence on us than our parents. Now, there are about six and a half thousand days between our birth and our 18th birthday. And every one of those days can be a money school day. Now, except not all this education will be warmly received, 
but it could have a lasting benefit that will live on well beyond childhood. So here are my top three tips for being a role model for your kids. First, share your experience. Experience is a great teacher, but it only comes with time. Your own experience with money will have taught you lessons that are of value to the next generation. Share what you've learned. At Aviva, for example, we recently asked eight prominent people to share what money lessons they had learned from their parents. Don't be blinded by brands when shopping, recalled the author. Learn to stand on your own two feet, recalled the chief executive. And only buy things when you have the money, recalled the financial advisor. You'll have received your own money lessons too, so share them. Second, start early. Financial lessons can begin from a young age with pocket money. According to various sources, it's been estimated that the average pocket money in the UK is between £4 and £8, depending on age. But that's just an average. Some parents will pay more, and some will pay less, and that's fine too. In paying pocket money, we should pay according to our own resources, not according to some national survey. Paying a set amount of pocket money each week is a good way to educate children that money does not grow on trees. And third, listen. Be humble in any financial education you give to the next generation. What worked for you may not be what works for them. For example, many of today's younger generation Gone is the job for life, fading is the generous final salary workplace pension, and higher is that first step to get onto the housing ladder. So yes, share your experience and your advice, but also listen to the needs and the pressures facing that next generation too. If you're a parent, Aviva offers whole year of free life cover for each child you have under the age of four. And if you were to pass away in that time, we'd pay out £15,000 to help your loved ones manage financially. And for more information about this, search for Aviva Free Parent Cover. And back to you guys. I'll tell you what I need, Holly. I need a mini Alistair to just pop in my pocket and pull him out whenever I need him. Great advice, Alistair. Thank you very, very much. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Pocket Alistair. Uh, That's it for another podcast, though. Next week, we're talking about the world my children will grow into with Vicky Broadbent from Mumboss. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And if you want more content in the interim, then head over to the website. The link is in the podcast description or it's aviva.co.uk forward slash parenting hyphen past hyphen the hyphen pandemic. Do you know what, Vernon? I've said that for four weeks now and it doesn't get any easier. Well, I'll translate it into Northern, shall I? It's aviva.co.uk forward slash parenting hyphen past hyphen the hyphen pandemic. Uh, There you go. As ever, hit subscribe or follow wherever you get this podcast from and make sure, if you don't mind, to leave us a review. It's always appreciated, so thank you very much. But for now, from me, it's bye. And bye from me. This podcast was brought to you by Aviva. Check out aviva.co.uk for more details. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow.